Recording straight out of Fife, Scotland. You're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts Stuart Sutherland and the Magic Mike Christie. Yo. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 240 of the Films and Swearing movie podcast. It is 80 season, and we are knee-deep in... 1987, with a double review of Joe Dante's Inner Space and Joe Schumacher. Schumacher's The Lost Boys. How's it going? Aye. Oh. I always forget that Joe Dante done Inner Space. Yeah. He's done a, like, a fucking great variety of weird and wacky <laughs> films. I've honestly, I can honestly say that I've not seen... In a space, all the way through, in probably about twenty years. Mm. Aye, I, I had very early, very little memories of it from when I saw it originally as a kid. I always just remember like the total gloved killer that was stopping Martin Short. Yeah, I totally didn't remember that dude at all. It was really just the fact that there was a guy in a wee spaceship going about the body of Martin Short. Yeah, but uh, before we fucking dig into inner space also we should give a brief mention to the passing of Sid Haig yeah the American horror actor with what I looked at he's got nearly 150 credits on IMDB mm. the boy has fucking been a boot obviously he's famous famously known for playing was it Captain Spaulding yeah in Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses yeah Devil's Rejects yeah and Three from Hell. Three from Hell is the one that just came out in the last week or yeah. so. But it's like a it's like a trilogy. It's the same uh, three characters, uh, it's, isn't it? It's a, what is it the Firefly, the Firefly family or something? I think they're called. Right, because is it is it Bill Mosley? Yeah. Chop. What's it? Chop Chop Bill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sid Haig and Rosebud's wife. Is it? Aye, I wasn't sure who they were. Yeah, because he has to throw his wife into fucking everything. Everything. Yep. I mean, 31 was, was alright for what I remember. I quite enjoyed it for no, what it was. I remember reviewing that fucking ages ago. I thought, was it? Was it not like, more or less like like a running man, but a creepy clown? Maze. Yeah, it was like, it was like German wee fucking Nazi dwarfs ah, yeah. and all that. Aye. Was his like wife the, the lead in that one, or was she just one of the, the carnies? Yeah, she was like one of the, one of the leads. I just always remember like the main, like, Bosses were like their character's name was like Summon Head. Oh yeah, that's right. Ah, it was yeah. all different heads. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure Doomhead was like the main one. He was just aye. Then like just it was like a like a black helmet or something. Aye, it was all painted in black and all that. Yeah, or grey and stuff. Aye, it was it was decent. I think Lords of Salem was a bit yeah. Uh, yeah. A misstep. I watched it as well. I aye, I couldn't. I didn't enjoy watching that one. Yeah, but. I mean, Three for Hells, it's getting... Eh, I've seen some good reviews and some bad reviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you're into white trash, like horror, then I suppose that would be... I mean, <clears throat> House of Thousand Corpses was pretty decent. Devil Rejects was actually pretty good. I never watched them just because they kind of looked <clears throat> fucking... Not terrifying, but just... Like this kind of like unsettling me, but ah, this looks a bit gross. Like this, is, I think. Um, do they know fucking skin people and shit? 
Uh, I mean, because I guess it would. It, could you class them as like body horror? Not really. Nah, it's just it's like basically they play like a family, like fucking murderers. But in the because in Devil's Rejects, it's um, the William Forsyth. He plays like the sheriff, and he goes after the Firefly family because he killed his brother in the first film. Right. And then he enlists the help of bodyguards that are played by Danny Trejo <laughs> and uh, Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And um, I always remember uh, Ken Forey's, like, one of the, like, he's called Charlie, I think, and he's, like, a local pimp or something. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, got, like, a good wee role in it as well. Yeah. But it's all right. But, yeah. I mean, I, I did read that... Um, the role, the Sid, Sid like role in Three for Hell was quite limited. Right. Because he was obviously quite ill. Yeah, I think he was... It was documented throughout the year that he was quite ill. Mm-hmm. Because he was into his a, 80s, I think. Uh, or just turned 80. He took, took a turn a few weeks ago. Yeah. And he kind of pulled through a bit, oh, so it just didn't hurt me. Aye. I didn't think I've seen him in anything else. He still has, like, he's got his name, it was like... A lot of low-budget indie horror films, maybe just cameo appearances, mm. or he's just there, just for, because he's sort of this iconic horror actor, because mm. he'll be famously known for, like, that, that clown makeup he wears, yeah. and is it a thousand House of a Thousand Corpses, Aye. where he's with a white and blue face paint? Ah, he's got that through the two films. Ah, right, okay. So, because um, I seen Tom Savini put up like everybody was putting up photos of it on was it Monday at hand, Monday or Sunday? Aye, Monday or Sunday. Mm. So, yeah. So we give a wee shout out to Sid. Obviously, with him having like over near enough one hundred and fifty roles, there was mentions that he did play a villain in a Bond movie, Diamonds Are Forever. Ah. Yeah, he's like in a pinstripe suit. Hmm. So and that's it. He's he's done everything, but he more or less reinvented himself. Yeah, I, I seen he's done like a, a Night of Living Dead in three D. Oh yeah, the right fucking very low budget horror film. And I mean, his IMDb top four consists of a thousand corpses, Devil Rejects, Kill Bill Volume Two, and I believe he was ah uh, like a bartender. In volume two, and also Bone Tomahawk. He's in the opening of the film. Was he the guy that was pals with David Arquette? Yep. Is that who that was? Aye. Because I think he's promptly killed, whereas mm. Arquette gets yeah. a bit further. But yeah, there's pictures of them sort of like going across that Bone Cemetery to begin with. I need to rewatch that film. Aye. Messy flick. Mm. So, eh. Uh, Got time for a film quiz, do you think? Ah, yeah, let's fire out. Okay. Anybody commented on your um, hot fuzz gaff? No, thankfully. The other week? Yes, I even highlighted that as, like, listen to me fail. But thankfully not. I'm not being dragged over the coals. Alright, let's... I'm going to start. I'm going to give you an animated one. It's like, all that's left is fucking animated. (laughs) Who voiced Peter Rabbit in the 2018 animation of the same name? Oh, motherfucker. Um, 
Steve Coogan. James Corden. Uh, yep. Never seen it. Uh, I've, I've seen it more than I, I care to admit. Mm. Uh, right. What is the name of Gru's long lost twin brother in Despicable Me 3? Oh, I know. Drew? Yeah. Uh, there's like. Uh, I would never have got that because I've, I've only ever watched the first one. Yeah, that's the. Th- I the third one, so yeah, I, I've I've been subjected to all of them as well. Yeah, and the fucking spin-off. Oh yeah. So, uh, comedy next. Let's see. In which comedy movie of two thousand eleven do three men plot to kill their managers at work? Uh, horrible bosses. That's it. Yeah, I remember that. Charlie Day was the one that was. Yes. He was getting molested by Jennifer Aniston. Aye. And um, that was at a time where I didn't know who Charlie Day was. It's like, man, that boy's got a squeaky fucking voice. I'd again if I like him. And then when I started watching all the signs, I can that boy in the middle for somewhere. <laughs> oh, fucking Rachel for friends was molesting him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I was and Spacey, but I probably didn't need to mention that. Yeah. Colin Farrell was the other one. He was um, the partly bald and cocaine. Yeah, he was. was he he was Jason Sudeikis's boss. Eh? Yeah. yeah, he was. Aye. Because um, Jason Bateman was with Spacey. Yeah, aye. Um, seen the sequel, second one. It's got yes. um, Chris, Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox is still in it, but it's still the three of them. Aye. But it's got um, Christoph Waltz, Chris Pine. And Jennifer Aniston still. Mm. And it's like the the kidnap Christoph Waltz, his son who's played with Chris Pine. Yeah. And and he, he plays the role fucking brilliantly. Oh, I need to watch it again. Just... Uh, what is the name of the man who teaches Daniel Karate in The Karate Kid? Mr. Miyagi? Yep. <clears throat> okay, question number three. Action. What is the name, what is the first name of the character played by Angelina Jolie in Salt? That's a toughie. Oh my god. Fucking oh, hell. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. I've had a guy who won. You're right, her name is Motherfucker Salt. <laughs> oh man. I've, I've, I've got the film, I've only ever watched it once. Ah, <laughs> I'm trying to think. It's, it's, it's not going to be something too easy. It's not going to be something too subtle. Would you like the letter, the first letter? Uh, uh, it begins with an E. Evelyn. It is. Ah. So I was going to say like Vera or something. <laughs> Vera salt. Uh, right. In which Orson Welles movie do a group of reporters delve into the life of a millionaire newspaper tycoon? Couldn't he tell you? Couldn't he, t- couldn't he name one Orson Welles movie to you? Nah, probably never got this either. Right. No. Um, I want to say broadcast news. Nah, Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. I, yeah, I probably never got that. 
Oh, okay, so are we two each? each? Yeah. Oh, okay. In action, from the action category, uh, in the true life story depicted in Alive, from which country were the rugby team that were stranded in the Andes? Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> motherfucker. I remember that film. I remember watching that film with my mum and dad when I was a young kid. Mm-hmm. Never seen it since. My sister fucking loved it. I reckon why. Just loves watching them. Like, oh, my God. I want to see, like, Swiss. I'm not even going to give you the first letter this time in case you fucking get it again. <laughs> Switzerland? Uruguay. Ah. I can't even fucking think who's in the film either. Nah, I feel there's like... Because I remember, I always remember the bit where they get to the point where they have to like eat the frozen bodies. Aye. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've never... I was strange that that was like a big film for our mm. childhood. I reckon if it was either huge at the time that everyone was talking about it, but... I feel like everyone our age definitely saw that film as a kid. I think anime is on my side here. Alright. What is the name of the city hidden within the messaging app where the emojis live in the emoji movie? What is the name of the city Yeah. hidden within the messaging app where the emojis live? Now, you, we, we, you had to watch that film for uh, Razzie season last year, remember? I had to watch Fifty Shades of Fucking Grey. No, I never watched that. Oh no, you had to watch Transformers. Yeah, I but I have seen that film because it's a kids' film, so my yeah. kids have seen it. Um, oh god, it's it's a fucking play on words or something. It'll be just like the name of an app. Um, I want to say something about Jailbreak, but I think that's one of the characters. I've never. Seen it so fucking. The name of village hidden. Uh, I reckon fucking Appsville. Textopolis. Ah, oh, fuck that. Fuck Mother, that. Motherfucker, we've got ourselves tiebreaker city this week. Like, I know, it's. Animated in classics are stumping us. I can. I think that's all animators left. Yep, I've got another one for you. Jesus Christ. Okay. To which city does Norm the polar bear flee when developers threaten his Antarctic home in Norm of the North? Say that one again. To which city does Norm the polar bear flee to when developers threaten his Antarctic home in Norm of the North? Uh, is that Alaska? New York City. Ah, oh, fuck. I thought you were not cold. Aye. Uh, and over the hedge, what animal is RJ? Shit, Cameron's watching that movie like every <laughs> night at the moment. <laughs> Anime bums are fucking us. Um, RJ, uh, I wonder if that is Bruce Willis's character. Um, and what the fuck is he? Is he like a raccoon? Is he a raccoon? Motherfucker! Yeah! Motherfucker! Fucking up, yeah! <laughs> Motherfucker. Man, because I was thinking, or, or, I. Ockhunt and a Doug's in that fucking film at the time. You had like Eugene Levy, Avril Levine, William Shatner, Steve Carell, Bruce Willis. I think maybe because Bruce Willis is, oh, RJ 
destroys all this food that I fucking hibernate in bear. And I could swear the deep, gravelly voice of the bear, I have to look it up, but I think it might be Michael Madsen. Because mm. he was not chuffed with Bruce Willis's wee character. So, so yes. Every Jesus. one of these questions are left here are animated apart from one classic. <laughs> uh, and then, well, that's it. I think we still have like another two or three piles in there. Mm. But, Jesus. We've that, got, was a, that was a bit mere entertaining. I know, if I can broke a sweat over that one. I don't know. So, um, I think you're due to go first, because Inner Space was released in cinemas in November. Yeah, I can't so. remember, I, I can't imagine uh, Lost Boys being a Christmas movie. <laughs> um, I'll go first, but I just want to double check it anyway, just... Uh, yeah, February. Right. Right, where are we? <clears throat> so, Mike, tell me all about The Lost Boys. So, um, The Lost Boys is from director Joe Schumacher. It stars Jason Patrick as Michael, Corey Haim as Sam, Diane Weist as Lucy, Ed Herman as Max, Corey Feldman as Edgar Frog, Jamie Gertz as Star, and Kiefer Sutherland as David. <clears throat> it tells the story of uh, after moving to a sunny town to off Santa Carla, brother Sam and Michael discover it's a haven for a group of vampires. Hmm. Ah, how fucking funny the fact that we brought this up um, a couple weeks ago, saying. Like, obviously, we're more familiar with Fright Night than yeah. we are with The Lost Boys. Yeah, I think I'd only ever seen Lost Boys once, and that was about maybe 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's funny the fact that I would have swore that Lost Boys would have came out before Fright Night. Mm. I just would have assumed like, that was one of the big ones for back in the 80s, and I never realised that was in the later half. Yeah. So, uh, what did you think of the film? Um, On... <clears throat> Upon this was to be my second watch, I actually really quite enjoyed it. Yeah? Yeah. I was saying that like, the other week that, for what I remember, it, it was alright. It wasn't a great or anything. Yeah. But I quite enjoyed it this time around. Oh, cool. I reckon if it's because you're getting a bit older or... But nah, had quite a good time with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, alright. I think maybe because like, Corey, Hel- Corey Feldman was there as well. When yeah. We had the... The deep history with Corey Firm being a bit of a pain on set. Aye. <clears throat> and that's it. He does always come across as a, like a charismatic. Yeah. And often plays interesting characters. Mm. And that's probably him in his prime at that time as well. Yeah, because you kind of like... Obviously, when you seen him in Friday the 13th Part 4, he was quite young Still on the young side. I remember but when, when he it... was looking at last his titties. Oh, aye. Yeah. So excited. And then obviously right after that it was um, Goonies. Aye. And then obviously he done he done this, and then I think he done the Birds after it. Yeah, cause, aye, because that's it. He was more of like a young teenager. <clears throat> oh, he was in Stand by Me as well. Yeah, aye. So and yeah. so that's it. It was prime, like fucking Corey Feldman. Yeah. At that time. So and what was it? What's his deal? Is it the Frog Brothers? Yeah, I am. Um, 
Ed got an island. Yeah. <laughs> Coincidentally. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's told from the this perspective of the youngest yeah, brother of the family, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I, I've not seen it in probably 10 years myself. I yeah, just remember. For some reason, I thought it was on uh, Now TV. Right. But then it also wasn't, so I had to go and source it elsewhere. But, um, no, so like, it, it opens up with a fucking, a really good, like, a really good beginning. Eh? Right. Like, I reckon if it's, it opens up with the, is it the iconic uh, song Cry Little Sister? I can't remember the name of the, the guy right. that wrote it. Um, but no, like, and it comes over like a carnival kind of thing on the boardwalk, which aye. it's kind of reminded me of us. Oh, yeah, aye. And it's just obviously everyone going about, and you get you first get introduced to the group of teens led by Kiefer Sutherland, and, and there's a young, unknown Alice Winters in there. Oh, right. Ted. Yeah. No. Bill. 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 No, I think he was Ted. Yeah, I think he was, yeah. Yeah, I think he was Ted. Aye. Jesus. <laughs> Another set of films I haven't seen in well over ten yeah. years. Um, and obviously it's just them, like, causing a ruckus on, like, a, a, a merry-go-round and stuff like that. Right. And then it gets broken up and then it cuts to, like, the security guard leaving at the end of the night and it's the classic, like, camera flying down and then zooming back out stuff. So I think he's impression that they're flying and stuff. Right. And then it just cuts right away to the introdu- introduction to uh, Michael and Sam with their mum mm. and Santa Carla. Aye. Well, that's it. It's like the older brother. Does he kind of join the gang but not, not knowing Aye. that they're vampires yeah. and then... Aye, somehow like does some sort of initiation thing where he drinks like this, what would they say to him, is wine. Right, and it kind of slowly turns up because it shows you I'm like slowly digressing into being a vampire and stuff, mm-hmm. and obviously like throughout the film and that you see people like putting up like missing, like missing person posters. Aye, and it happens to be like the, is it just like teenagers? Ah, well, it's a mix. It's a mix of like kids and teens and older people. And stuff. Ah, right, okay. But like when they come into like Santa Carla and stuff, when they drive past the billboard and they turn around it's got like spray painted on it like the murder capital of the world ah. <laughs> so people are obviously a bit weary of what's going on mm-hmm. and for what I remember Corey Feldman does, was his family running a comic book shop or was that just yeah. where he hung out and uh, he his family run the comic books you'll never seen him and his brother aye and like they were obviously like they kind of because they were kids and stuff, and like his imaginations run wild, like they were mere pushing toward like horror comics. Aye. Then else, because when Sam comes in, he's looking for a a Spider Man number two or something or a number one. Right. And they're like, "Oh, okay, we'll find. Like, we think you'll find this more interesting. It's a vampire comic." Aye. And so it's like, "Oh, they must kind of know what's going on," sort of thing. Aye, you hear a bit like the urban legends, maybe. Yeah, and I mean, it's like, it does kind of play on the same, um, like, what's the word? Themes? Aye, like the same themes of like younger kids thinking that like people are like vampires and all that. And Aye. Try to like do all these booby traps and like set them up and, and it doesn't quite work out and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 
while I mean while Friday Night does that better. Aye. This this is still a good like, attempt at. It. Aye. But there is some genuinely like really good bits like towards like the last like like thirty forty minutes. Aye. Well, what's the running time to it? Uh, ninety five minutes. No, it's decent. So it's not too bad. Yeah. And I mean, like there's. Because obviously, like, I'm, I'm assuming Santa Carla is supposed to be like, someplace in like California or something. Aye. Because um, it's like, ah, it, we just say what it appears, it's like a coastal town, isn't it? Yeah. Aye. Um, like, you get all the like, every, like, there's mere, like, every shots every night sort of thing, and, like, the same, like, carnival sort of thing, like, saying, um, there's loads of beach parties and stuff. Kind of reminds me a bit of, um, the Karate Kid. Oh right, yeah. Aye. So a lot of stuff like that, um, and then there is like a a really nice shot. I reckon if they actually done it with a proper like camera, or if it was like digital, but it was like a shot like later on the film with a like Im- implicating it's like somebody flying, Aye. and it's like for their point of view, and it's like through all the clouds. But mm. I'm assuming that because in the days it's probably going to be a bit more digital. Aye. And how does uh, Kiefer Sutherland doing it? Um, he actually plays his role really fucking good. Aye. Because I, I, I try to remember is if the gang came across as annoying or not. No, I mean, they didn't really, like, obviously when they're out and about in, like, civilization, they didn't really talk much. Right. But when they're way uh, Michael or not, the kind of all just a bunch of like, young lads jumping about here and about a laugh. Aye. But I mean, Kiel Sullivan kind of comes across as like the older one in the group, and he's quite like obviously he like they paint that image that he's obviously the head vampire and stuff. Aye. And I reckon if it's because of like the makeup and all the way, like cells will look really well because he's like kind of like got like really pale like look about him and stuff. Aye. Um. Now, what's the the look that they go for is it sort of like that Buffy the Vampire thing where it's just the face all scrunches up and they um, get like nah no really it's merely like um, they've just got like like contact lenses in and stuff and like and fangs yeah aye uh, is it is it gory like when um, you get I mean, to see them feed on people yeah there's a a scene later on in the film where they're all Kind of sitting on like these trees, looking at like a group of like folk, like in like a beach party. Yeah. And then like you just kind of see like folk, like heads flying and stuff. Like that. I mean, it's no proper like head on. Like, like it's not like dust till dawn. Nah, it's like, no like full on gore and stuff. Turn the limbs like, off. The last, the last act as well, like when they're in the house, is it's quite gory, but it's, it's all practical effects, but it's worked really oh. well. And I saw like. Bodies exploding and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's like scenes involving like bathtubs filled with holy water and garlic and all ah, that. And right. it's, used, it's used quite well. Yeah. Ah. Um, where here. Um, one of the one of the better characters of the film is actually the grandpa. Right. Um, when you first introduce him and they come to the house and he's lying on the deck. And the mum goes over and she's obviously she's quite worried and stuff. Aye. And she's like trying to wake him up and like, eh, Cody Haim pipes up, aye, if, if he's dead can we go back to, is it like, <laughs> Phoenix or Fair or something? Right. And 
he obviously wake, like, wakes up and that and says he's also just playing dead and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're taking a tour of the house. Opens the fridge door and he's like, I've only got like one rule for this house. Then he touched the second shelf in that fridge. Right. It's got like his beer, it's like his <laughs> fucking like biscuit, like double, like double stuffed Oreos and stuff like Jesus. that. Jesus. Um, and then they walk into like the pantry or something and it's like filled with like, like actually looks like a scene for like Death of Shades or Massacre. Aye. And he just like closes his door and you kind of think, hmm, that's. Something a, bit, something a bit odd about him. Aye. Who who plays him? Um, Is that a notable? It's not. It's, uh, it's like Barnard. Is it, is it Barnard or something? Um, Just as you're describing it to me, I was picturing it as like fucking John Lithgow. <sighs> no, uh, what is his name here on IMDb? Um, Barnard Hughes. Top four Lost Boys, Tron... Sister Act 2 hmm. and uh, Doc Hollywood. Alright. So, um, he plays like his character really well. Like, he's kind of like, like the comic relief for you, but he kind of lightens the mood. Oh well, aye. Um, yeah, I've covered that. I've covered that. Did you ever have a look at the... Because I, I did, did franchise it years later when it was like straight to DVD. Yeah, the two sequels. Uh, yeah. The Tribe and something else. And I think the only people that were in it was Corey Feldman. Of course. And I don't know if the guy who played his brother was in the second one. I'm trying to see. Yeah, okay, one of them cried like young blood, or new blood. I think so. I'm trying to find out the name what they're saying about it. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I significantly do remember seeing the fucking DVDs and like uh, blockbusters. Um, and it, it's it's always something when you think they decide to fucking reboot a fucking franchise. So many years later. Yeah, yeah 12, um, 15. In 2010, it was Lost Boys, The Tribe, Aye. which um, has got... don't have a clue who that kid is. Um, yeah, Corey Feldman is Edgar Frog. Mm-hmm. Tom Savini. All right. Oh, aye, speaking of that, uh, since it's a horror film and there's practical effects, is there a famous name doing the the makeup effects? Um, but on the original one? I don't think there is, actually. I'm trying to think. Um, cast and crew for it. I listened to a podcast today and Rick Baker's getting, uh, is sort of publishing a biography. So, like, talking about his work from everything from, like, uh, an American werewolf in London and uh, right, all yeah. the other fucking films and talking about, like, just his his history in film. How he was hauled off of the howl and to go do American werewolf. Things like that. And by the end of the podcast, I was convinced it was actually might be a, a good read. Yeah. Ideally, I'd, I'd listen to it on Audible, but like, it seems like the guy's had quite the, quite the fucking life. And he more or less quit Hollywood because he's like an Oscar-winning makeup artist, but yet there's still fucking producers telling him how to do his job. 
Uh, and he just thought, fuck it. He's cashed his chips. Um, now, there's nobody noticeable on the actual like, practical effects and the makeup. Alright. Um, speaking of like, the practical effects, like, and we, we said this last week with Alien, we said the week before on Fright Night and that. Like, mm-hmm. Practical effects are like, so makes the much, films better. much better. Like, I watched um, Crawl yesterday. Right. And I enjoyed it. It was decent, but it was the digital yeah. like, alligator that was just a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Aye. No, I could see that. But it's, it's kind of like in that age where you are getting these. It's strange. It is like a proper B movie. Not horror, but it's strange. They're getting high, like almost big budget, it feels. Mm. With something similar, like you got The Meg. Was that earlier this year or last, last year? Last year it was. And it was the same. It was like a big budget fucking B movie. Mm-hmm. It was good. That was it. That was like a fucking Sharknado, a fucking decent budget and a, a big name to it. Whereas Crawl, maybe not quite the same. It was like that lassie for, I think, Skins. Mm. And the, the fucking... The, the guy that directed it, he was... Was you know the guy that directed... He's oh I looked at his direct the remake uh, Evil Dead and all that. I think possibly wrong, the like. guy had some like some fairly decent credits, but the the dad he was white yeah. right the fucking sniper from Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I remember him. Aye, yeah, it was a, it was a a decent I ninety minutes. Like, I thought it was a good usual ninety minutes. Aye, the last Aye. was indestructible. Yeah, but, um, oh. the director was Alexander Aja. Yeah. Um, who done... He directed that Switchblade romance. Remember oh, that? shit. Aye. That was a mindfucker film. Aye. He done the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. He done Piranha 3D. Another, you know, mm-hmm. low-budget B-movie, which was dumb, but it was pretty fucking decent. The only reason for... I think it was, reckon, Blue Fox Minds back in the day, because, was it not, Kelly Brook? Yeah. There's like a significant her scene of her swimming in the scud. Yeah. And he directed that uh, Horns with Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, yeah. Aye. That I was, didn't that was that decent. one either. Mm. I liked it. You seen that? I retweeted. Uh, the Hand the Night. Th- yeah, Guns Akimbo. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe yeah. has handguns bolted to his fingers, like into his hands. Like they're actually. There's a screenshot where it shows that he's actually. There's bolts in each finger screwing his hands to the guns. <laughs> yeah. I sent a photo of the thing you retweeted and I sent it to one of the boys at work and I was like, I really need to see this. Aye. It's got released it is September the 9th. I'm hoping that it's on like streaming. Aye, maybe. It looks interesting. Yeah. And it's good, like fucking Harry Potter boy really puts him, like he's not going over for these, he's doing strange and obscure yeah, still independent know, films. I still no watch the Swiss, Swiss Army, Army Man. Man. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you the fucking Blu-ray. It's, it's it's weird and it it makes you love like the fucking score to Jurassic Park even more. <laughs> uh, so, I any any last notes for Lost Boys? Um, I think after like also watching it and I was like looking at like vampire films that I like, I like, and I think I could easily regard that as like one like one of the top tier ones that I quite like. Yeah. I think if folks say that they've not seen it, I'd like, well, go and see it. Aye. I've not watched 
like the sequels of that have no, no, they're probably not worth it. Nah, I mean Corey Feldman is a national fucking treasure in the eighties. Yes, nowadays but, not so much. But it's just, I mean, the nowadays he's more like a national train wreck. Yeah, because is he not going about like fucking Two Face, where he's kind of got like two women beside him, one dressed in black, one well, dressed in white. He's, the whole member, he's kind of campaigning the whole. Um, ah, suicide uh, Corey Haim no, yeah. was it a suicide? I think so because remember Corey Haim well remember there was the rumours that Charlie Sheen. Sheen yeah aye there was rumours of that which was never thing with mm-hmm. aye <clears throat> that's weird like the boy's got his demons but he's he's obviously he, he knows more than we do yeah so yeah, we'll, we'll never really know yeah um, also, I was saying that the last last twenty minutes of this film is like practical effects to the max. Aye, like obviously they when they enlist the help of the Frog Brothers, they go to their lair, which is like a a sunken like hotel. It was like during they said that it was when like the big one hit. So I'm assuming like an atomic bomb went off like, yeah, like centuries before or something. There's like a an old building that's kind of sunken, like down below, and that's where they're using as a lair. Yeah. And they're going over to find them all sleeping and stuff, so they end up taking one of them out, and then obviously they think, right, well, we're going to have to obviously fight them. Aye. And they just absolutely booby trap the house to the max. <laughs> They've got like fucking bath water, like bathtub full of holy water and garlic, mm. and they fill it up with their uh, super soakers and stuff. Yeah. Um. Bit like the vampires get it really badly. Like Aye. one of them gets thrown in the bathtub, and it just says all. It's almost like it's acid. Yeah, because he's of all course. like burnt and scarred. One of them, <laughs> one of them gets a fucking like crossbow into a fucking uh, electric like, box. Okay, Aye. But the only one that doesn't die a horrendous death is David. Right, which is a bit weird. Now, David, that's the the older brother. No, he's uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. Because obviously they need to kill the head vampire to turn ah. them back, the ones that are alive. Oh, yeah. Aye. But then obviously the big, kind of, well, no, it's not really a big reveal, but they kind of play on it through the film that the guy that runs a, a video shop, he befriends the mum, and they kind of put it out there that he's like the head vampire and that, they do lay traps and they do hit them with like a cross and stuff, but nothing happens to them. All right. That's because the rules are obviously if you invite a vampire into your house, mm-hmm. then nothing works. Right. So. Aye. But then obviously it is, it is him that's a head vampire at the end, and like the effects on him is pretty fucking creepy. I'm trying to think who looks a bit like. Kind of reminds me a wee bit of the effects they used on uh, Christopher Lloyd and. Who framed Roger Rabbit? All oh, right, aye, Jesus. He's got like a really big head and like really like white eyes and stuff. Yeah, and it's pretty creepy. And obviously, the fucking granddad saves the fucking day with <laughs> a digger. Aye, drives it through his house. Fuck's sake! Because I, I, when I was watching that, also I knew that the guy that befriended the mum and knew he was the head vampire. When I first watched it. I thought it was going to be the reveal that the granddad was the head vampire. Right, and I thought aye. that would be a nice big like twist. A twist. Totally. Um, but there was a wee like throwaway like gag at the end where it's um, the 
Granda walks through his like fucking lair with his fridge. He takes it like one of his like root beers, and he's like, "There's only one hand kind of stomach in this place, and that's all the fucking vampires." <laughs> so I'm kind of thinking, well, does he know as well? And it's like he's just put away all these years, mm. and then it kind of just ends. Aye, what's the the soundtrack like? I imagine the, uh, it's just got, filled with the eighties pop songs. Yeah, I mean, other than the uh, the main theme that Krylo sister, it's got Aye. a good wee. Um, kind of score as well. It's kind of like, like I think it's like magical in a way. <laughs> Aye. Um, I need to also fucking find out who done the score for it. But the song "Cry Little Sister," like, and it's a fucking brilliant bit. What there's a uh, Marlon Manson done a cover of it last year, which is pretty good. But mm-hmm. it's quite, um, quite synthesizer heavy on it. Aye. Which is good anyway. Aye. But it's got like the old like, classic fucking like eighties. Luckily, I don't think there was an anthem. Oh, no, right. I'm a fucking like montage. Ah, uh, oh, right, yeah. There wasn't a montage in it. Oh. It was a bit devastated a bit. It was the Frog Brothers suiting up to fucking <laughs> <laughs> destroy some vampires. Ah oh, well, so it's it would be easily rewatchable then. I actually, like, mm. if if I if I seen it in the shop and it was only like two quid or something, I'd probably pick it up. Totally, aye. Yeah, what do you think the budget for this one is? Twelve million. Ah, uh, near enough. Uh, eight and a half mil. Decent. I mean, that's a well. I wouldn't say it's a cast that nobody's. Aye. But they're all kind of fairly young, so. Yeah, you know. aye, because obviously Keith went on to bigger things and. Uh, Thinking made his money back. Aye, if it was only eight, I'd imagine so. Um, I could only get the domestic for it, but domestically it took thirty-two point two. Damn. Four times its budget. Totally. So, but that's only domestic. They can walk exactly worldwide. Like, worldwide plus like like video sales and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, trivia notes for it is um, Jim Carrey was considered for the role of David, right? Because he worked on a a vampire film the year before. Yeah. Can't remember the name yet. Yeah. And he was like, "Cause I think." I didn't Jim Carrey was big till the nineties. <clears throat> the original ending had a surviving lost boy retreat to the sunken hotel lair, but the studio scrapped it and went with a mere light-hearted, like ending with the granddad saving the day and like in that we throw away gag. Aye. I reckon how I would have felt if there was. If I had a bleak ending. Um, yeah, I mean, it would have gave people hope that we've got a second one. And no, twenty odd years later. True, aye. And a uh, star. She was the uh, one that was. She was the one that got the attention of Michael. Um, even though she is portrayed as a half vampire in the film, she's the only one that we didn't actually see in full vampire state in the huh. film. You see everybody. Yeah, that's what including it's... like Star's wee brother, like turned into a vampire. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And that's pretty much it. Alright. Um, so, Inner Space, as I mentioned earlier, it was released in cinemas on 27th of November 1987. It is a sci-fi action-adventure comedy from director Joe Dante. Mm. So, obviously, famously known for Gremlins, Howling, and a bunch of others. Mm. It's got writing 
credits for Chip Roser and Jeffrey Boam. The film stars Dennis Quaid as Lieutenant Tuck Pendleton, uh, Martin Short as Jack Putter, Meg Ryan as Lydia Maxwell, Kevin McCarthy as Victor Eugene Scrimshaw, Fiona Lewis as Dr. Margaret Kanker, uh, Vernon Wells as Mr. Igo, Robert Picardo as The Cowboy, Wendy Scal as Wendy, and Henry Gibson as Mr. Wormwood. Henry fucking Gibson. Yep, that wee Illinois Nazi for the fucking Blues Brothers. And for the Burbs. Yeah, I was going to say. What was the fucking son? What's the family name again in the Burbs? Oh, uh, Clopex. Yes. Clopex. Um, Rube was the head of the Clopex. He was the older one. And um, Henry Gibson was the doctor. What was his fucking name? Aye. I want to say Victor. I only, Victor, watched, it, I only watched it like a month or so ago and I can't remember his fucking name. I reckon why I don't own it already. Man, uh, so, for for those that don't know, uh, Inner Space, the plot is a hapless store clerk must foil criminals to save the life of the man who, miniaturised in a secret experiment, was accidentally injected to him. Into him. So, yes, aye. How are you about penetration there? I know, it's strange when you explain that <laughs> Dennis Quaid got injected into Martin Short's ass <laughs> in a brief attempt to, to save uh... him from... I fucking, I really hope that like Netflix or Now TV or fucking Amazon just stick it up because I'll happily oh, rewatch it. That was it. It was on Amazon Prime for ages, and when I came to watch it for this, boom, gone. Yeah, it's nowhere, which is rather annoying. But um, it's got a nice steel book. Has it? Oh, yeah. don't tell me that. And it's like the front. It's like the front cover. It's it's, it's beautiful. I need to find it. Uh, it's not the one where it's like they're holding shit between his fingers. No. Nah. No. Nah. Alright. But it was a fun watch. It was, again, it's like that magical 80s sci fi feel where it's, it's not too over the top and the fucking cast, whilst they kind of. I guess they were the big names. Like fucking Dennis Quaid came across as like a fucking Harrison Ford <laughs> style character in this. And Martin Short, you could see why he was like a, a perfect leading man for mm. for daft comedy vehicles. Um, I'm fucking picturing him in Captain Ron as ah, well. Ah, Captain Ron, that's a fun one. Not seen in a fucking dog's age either. Aye, and it's great because he's sort of like this um, this character who's always worried. He's always at the fucking doctors because he thinks he's got all these problems and he might not have any. He just needs to. It's like a fucking. Uh, Wizard of Oz, he needs to find some courage. And he thinks, oh, I think I'm coming down with this. I've got these headaches. Uh, I'm coming out with these spots. And the fucking doctor looking at him is like, you're probably just allergic to your shampoo. And he mentions that, like, we're good friends. He's like, are you? He's like, yes, you're in my office every week. You're the reason why my fucking business is still open. Because <laughs> he's just mm. this guy that thinks like he's got a thousand problems and there isn't any. And he just works in the store, which ran by fucking Henry Gibson and he keeps having this this dream that there's like a, a woman with bright ginger hair comes in with a fucking full trolley of shopping and every item he scans the price comes up wrong like a bottle of shampoo is like a thousand dollars and he starts panicking scanning everything and it comes up to like a hundred thousand dollars by the end of it and the woman's like how do you expect me to pay for that 
And she reaches into her purse and pulls out a fucking wee peril-handed pistol and says, it's like a reoccurring nightmare he has. And oh. it's it's just things like that is, is brilliant. I mean, you could have your, your Joe Dante drinking game. The, the film has a, a Dick Miller cameo. Oh. Um, Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid's characters have like a one-night stand. And she calls a cab to sneak away in the morning. Dick Miller's a cab driver. Uh, he fucking honks the horn and she's freaking, like, did he honk the horn? Because it fucking wakes up Quaid. He comes running out in a bath towel trying to stop her. And it gets caught in the door. Dick Miller's like... The, Shoots her. Aye. Uh, pulls the towel. And he's, he's fucking saying something. He's like, well, I fucking hope you haven't forgot your purse, lady. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was getting it. And Robert Picardo, another fucking... <sighs> Reoccurring character. Who was he in other films? Let's see. He was the other garbage man in the Burbs. The tall, bald guy. Oh, yeah. That was with Dick Miller. He was the guy that seduced the, the female gremlin in Gremlins 2. Ah, oh, motherfucker. Tall, him. lanky, bald guy. Yeah. Uh, he runs the cinema in Matinee. Oh, uh, yeah, I haven't seen Matinee years either. And in this one, he, he plays like a Cuban known as the Cowboy. Ah, right, yeah. And they've just given him a tan and like a little black afro, which looks weird. But and of course he was the 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 original werewolf in the Howling. Yeah, the one that. So like, like these guys have been fucking like thick as thieves. Yeah. Like Dick Miller and fucking Robert Picardo. Like whenever fucking Dante must do a film, they're clearly automatically added to the cast. I yeah. assume. But. Um. The character played by Venom Wells, is he the guy with the... Is he the guy that's chasing Martin Short? Um, yes, aye, Mr. I, Mr. Igo. Yeah. He's like the fucking heavy that they send. And it's weird, he has like this fucking... It's weird, I feel it's like, like they glove. don't... It's like a, the gloves are pistol or something, eh? Aye, well, he's, he's part robot. It's never really explained... Like he does, he's either lost a hand and he's got like a metal hand as a replacement because when they shrink down Dennis Quaid, put him into a syringe, this group of criminals show up to steal the technology and it's fucking horrifying that they, they go about with like a fire extinguisher of like a knockout gas. So every person just gets full on sprayed in the face like a fire extinguisher with his knockout fucking mm-hmm. gas and they're just taking out every fucking scientist in the room. Yeah. The main guy has managed to shrink Quaid's character uh, tuck down into this little spaceship, pick him up in a syringe, and he just fucking bolts for it to get away from them. And Mr. Igo is standing there in like a crowded mall and he does like, like just makes a, a pistol with his hand, looks at the guy and does the action, but the fucking tip of the finger pops, blows up a kid's balloon, and then ah, you see the yeah, fucking scientist yeah, grab his hip. The balloon, yeah. And the kid's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I always and remember that scene. The parents always. just, just shoo him away. He's like, that guy's got a fucking built-in gun. And I mean, <laughs> there's one scene where he takes his fucking hand off and there's a fucking flamethrower and he's about to fucking torch some cunt and it's like... See, I can't remember this whole, all this shit. I, just, I just always remember the gun. Aye. That's all I can remember. This is why I really need to fucking rewatch it. Um, did you look at Venom Wells' filmography? I... Did now he was the bad guy in Commando? Yes. Um, he, what's his name? Bennett. 
Yes. Yes. Uh, he did have another significant role. But ah, so he did. Um, let's pull oh, up a window. Fuck. I watched him in a film a few weeks ago. Sure, I did. But I he he comes across as just this because he does look quite robotic. He is this strong face. He's got. He, he reminded me of like it's not maniac cop. Ah, uh, the Wells was in Dune. Sure, it was. Uh, let's see. Commando, Mad Max 2, Weird Science, Inner Space is his top four. Uh, 184 acting credits. Yeah. Sweet Jesus. And it looks like fucking 30 of them are, are still in production. Um, But, yeah, the boy's done a fuckload. He was he was a toe cutter in Mad Max, eh? I think that was his credit. Let's see. Uh, Wes. That was Wes. Mad Max 2. Ah, uh, yeah. So, but, nah, he's, the boy's fucking been about. And yes, he does come across as a, an intimidating fucking character. Yeah. Because he's, he's fucking built, he's like an absolute unit. And he just goes about in this suit. And it was, there was this, uh, Meg Ryan tries to save Martin Short at one point. Because he just shows up, uh, Mr. Igo just shows up as at a restaurant like an absolute terminator, just walks in. Meg Ryan threatens to shoot him with a taser, accidentally tases Martin Short, and Mr. Igo just puts him over his shoulder and walks away because no one's going to stop him. The guy's an absolute beast. Yeah. But the, I do love the the introduction of, uh, well, introducing Dennis Quaid's character to Martin Short because the, sci- the dying scientist falls out like an elevator, grabs onto Martin, and he just grabs a syringe, sticks in his ass, presses it. <laughs> And Martin's like going, oh, oh, oh no, because he just booked a holiday. He's trying to get away from all this stress. He wants to have a relaxing vacation. Then some dude just stabs him in the ass, and he's like a wee bit traumatized. He goes back to work, and there's his fucking nightmare. That woman with the bright ginger hair <laughs> is actually there, and the fucking till's not working. And everyone's looking at Martin like it's his fault the till's not working. Like fucking Henry Gibson looks at him, he's like, uh, Jack. Why are you doing this? And it's like, what did you do? And it's like, it's not his fault the fucking tills scanning shampoo a thousand dollars. And the woman reaches in her purse and fucking does pull a wee pearl hand pistol, but it's actually a fucking lighter. <sighs> but by this point, he's fucking freaked out. He's screaming, chewing on aspirin, and just starts going, ah! like having a full on fucking panic attack. <sighs> and there's this fucking joke where. He's eating the fucking aspirin. He grabs it at the woman shopping, starts eating it. And the woman's like, I'm not paying for that. And the man behind in the queue is like, I should hope so. That's about $800 a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just those wee fucking jokes. I got a chuckle. But what was fascinating me about this film was just like the voyage, the fact that when he got injected into Martin and when he wakes up and it's just the sort of like the space scenes where yeah. he's just and his wee miniaturized ship going through like all the fatty cells in his body or going through the bloodstream and, it, and there's like waves of red blood cells come flying at him it's, it's just so well done yeah. and they fucking picked up an Oscar for best visual effects hmm. for back in the day and it's like Jesus that's not what I was there expecting is a bit, there is a point in the film where uh, there's Jack and Tuckle and to kind of communicate with each other yes there's it's sort of like 
he uses his technology, he latches uh, a cable into the back of his eye so he could see through his eyes and then they kind of, he does like an, an EMP where he flips a switch and fucking like electric devices around him go fucking apeshit. There's a point where he's trying to watch something on, on videotape and uh, fucking tuck flips a switch for an EMP and that causes the TV to blow up and the cassette player to fucking fire the tape out and smash the front window and goes out into the garden. So I think that's how an EMP works. <laughs> Pretty sure the power just goes out. It doesn't fucking turn your videotape player into a projectile. But he then, obviously, when they discover that a Martin Short's character, Jack, is carrying Tuck inside him, these criminals start targeting him. Like a guy shows up to check like the boiler or something. And Tuck could tell something's no right. And he, he starts kind of guiding him. Like, he's like, right, grab his gun. Block this. Do that. Kick him. And he kind of helps helps him get out of these situations. Yeah. And there's things where, like, he's, he's a big worrying bag of shit. And then by the end of the film, he's doing all these things. But he still thinks he has Tuck with him. And at one point, he accidentally transfers Tuck. Uh, he, he snogs Meg Ryan. And he accidentally uh. transfers the ship from one body to the other. So, well, was he still running about as an action man, thinking that Tuck's inside him, making him do all this? It's him all along. It's mm-hmm. a total fucking uh, Wizard of Oz moment. But, fuck, I did actually quite enjoy it. There's some freaky uh, visual effects at one point, uh. or practical effects, because the 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 cowboy, Rich Picardo, is like a contact that they need to... He's dealing with the bad guys in some loose way. Shows up in the country, goes at nightclub, grabs a bunch of girls and eventually does business the next morning and leaves. So when he comes over on this visit, Meg Ryan kind of becomes, like, goes home with him. And Martin Short follows. Yeah. So when they're getting ready to make out, she knocks him out. And Martin goes into the bathroom the hogtied Picardo. And uh, Dennis Quaid's character flips a switch that manages to alter the appearance of Martin Short to turn him into a uh, fucking Richard Picardo. Yeah. No, Robert Picardo. And it's just like, he's sitting there, like his cheeks puffing and going, <laughs> and it's like his face is all distorting and it all quickly starts blowing up. It looks like something out of Big Trouble in Little China where it all, uh, or like Total Recall where Arnold's fucking mis- is disguised as the woman. Yeah. And it all stretches out, shrinks in, eyes bulge out and go back in. And then by the end of it, it's fucking Robert Picardo, but with Martin Short's voice. So they go the next day to try and fool the bad guys. But, yeah, it is. It's actually a decent wee film. It, it runs for two hours, but there's like a lot going on. So yeah. I, I can't quite fault it for that. Yeah. Um, I'm way up the road to Inverness next week, so I'm probably going to pop in at the HMV, and if, if it's a decent enough price, I might just pick it up. Totally. Because I really want to see it. Aye. Because I went and had a wee look at the price of that uh, Fable Steelbook, and uh, it ain't cheap. What steelbook? Uh, Inner Space. Oh, right. Uh, it's currently sitting on... High 20s. Um, on Amazon currently at that price. Sweet Jesus. <clears throat> I've never seen a steelbook that high now, for a while. I remember seeing this in... Zabby a couple of years ago, but look at the artwork. I know that is pretty fucking sweet. That's fucking 
beautiful artwork. And then the inside it's like the wee, the wee ship. Aye. Like, I seen it on like Zavi like a couple of years ago and I fucking really wish I'd picked up. Wow, I wish I picked up three because it's all doing me a bit of buck on it. <laughs> but no, I really do want to rewatch this again just because I want to fucking see yeah. if it holds up for when I watched it when I was a kid. Well, that's it. And it's, it's so funny to see such a like a variety in Joe Dandy's work. And I mean, like, like Martin Short as well. Eh? Like, he's done a lot of decent films in his time. I'm trying to think. Eh? Um... Wait, are you... You're not... You're going to Inverness next week, you just yeah. said. Uh, All right. I've just looked up on CEX. Uh, the Aberdeen have a copy of the Steelbook yeah. at the moment for £12. Um, <laughs> there's two so we could buy one each it's fine oh, nice. <laughs> but man it is it's a total fun watch and they get to a point where they shrink Mr. Igo and inject him into Martin Short to deal with Dennis Quaid alright so they have a sequence where they're fucking fighting and they get forced into his stomach and there's a point where it's just it's, it's all green like poisonous gases and more or less, his stomach acid is just considered straight up acid. So they have a scrap and eventually Mr. Igo falls into the stomach acid and it hits the ship and it's just a fucking skeleton. Like all his flesh is dissolved and uh. it's the only maybe one gruesome effect but the fact they had a wee dip in his fucking stomach acid just dissolved <laughs> the boy. Oh man, I really want to fucking watch this now. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's some great sequences where they kidnap Martin Short and he tries to escape Meg Ryan's driving the fucking car and he's hanging from like a meat locker uh, lorry and he's uh, swinging off the door to try and get into the convertible. It's full of fucking hijinks. Yeah, I'm trying to think of fucking films I've watched with Martin Short recently. The only one I can think of is Mars Attacks. Oh, yeah. He played the... They know like some sort of like... PR assistant for the president who was played with Jack Nicholson right. at the time. Um, did you see what I was put on Twitter the other day? Uh, Martin Short and Ah, uh, because he does the thing with Martin. Steve Martin. It's the two Martins they call it. Ah, uh, it's like a like a two man stand up where obviously Steve Martin likes to play banjo and see it's one film I've not seen for fucking ages. Alright, and it's on Netflix as the Three Amigos. Oh yes, him, Chevy Chase, and Steve um, Martin. Yeah. I've not seen that in fucking years. I watched that a couple of years ago and it, it's good. It still it still holds up. But yeah, fucking Steve Martin and fucking Martin Short going to the Hydro next year. Uh, Only £50 a ticket. Uh, I was like, if it was over 50 I wasn't going to bother with it. But yeah. man, it's, it's fucking Steve Martin <coughs> and Martin Short in person. And they've got, a, there's a special on Netflix. Right. And it, it, we've watched it maybe two or three times, and it's really like their fucking chemistry is off the chart. They just fucking rip the piss out of each other yeah. constantly, and it's just like, man, that would actually be a, a decent show to see in person. Yeah. So I think I might skip seeing Kevin Smith's reboot tour. Yeah. I, feel like I could only afford to do one or the other. But just the chance to kind of see Steve Martin and Martin Short in person yeah. would be pretty cool. So, but yeah, um, it is really rewatchable. I couldn't tell you who steals that. Maybe Martin Short 
He does do really well on it. Now let's have a wee look. Um, box office. I reckon. I reckon the budget was. I don't have a figure on here. Well, nah. on box office mojo, it it has. Um. Like Na. So, I'd imagine if I looked a wee bit harder, I'd probably find if I looked on Wikipedia. Yeah. Let's see. But you want to guess how much money it made domestically? Uh, I reckon it probably made about 30, 40 mil. It made 25. Oh, it's alright. So That's considered a fucking failure in this day and age, yeah? I feel Jordani has never had the greatest success. I think obviously Gremlins has probably been peak. Aye, exactly. Wow. That new batch... But the rest, it always seems to be like underground or smaller hits. Um, yeah. Let's see, supposedly the budget was $27 million. Mm. So the fucking box office was $2 million under the budget. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, because obviously, like with that budget, a lot of that was probably spent on the... Visual effects? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and that's it. I mean, Dennis Quaid was good in it, but... I I don't remember the boy doing much nowadays. Obviously, he was in that that uh, home invasion film. Oh, yeah, the intruder. Yeah, which is not too bad, but man. And this, I, I, I've said it already, he could have come across as fucking like Harrison Ford. Like, he could have done the roles of Harrison Ford. He was yeah. came across so confident, had like the kind of great look, great voice to him. Yeah, but it just must never have been an to... easy fucking day on the set for him just sitting in a wee cardboard box. Aye, <laughs> exactly. And he was like piloting a wee mini ship. Eh? Yeah. But no, I did quite enjoy it. Uh, let's see. I don't have any trivia in front of me, but. And my phone will unlock itself. Let's have a little look on IMDb. Right, so this was also a, a film where Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan met on the set of the film and ended up dating. The two later married in 1991 and then divorced in 2001. Uh. And they had uh, William Charlart uh, as a cast as Jack's doctor was actually an in-joke because he had played the doctor in The Incredible Shrinking Man from 1957. Uh. So... That's just Dante with his deep cut references. Yeah. So. I definitely need to fucking get hold of this and rewatch it. Oh my god. I'm just looking at Venom Wells' filmography. Mm-hmm. This film got a release date in 2017. Look at the plot. That sounds very familiar. Yeah. Um, 
I'd probably watch it, like. I'm not gonna lie, I probably would watch it. <laughs> as if I did, like, the characters are, like, almost the same as. Aye. Like, they've all got these different names. Huh. Um, April 12, 2019, I got a 10 out of 10 rating. <laughs> Obviously. So, uh, next time on the Films and Swearing Movie Podcast, we reach 1988, uh, and we'll be doing a joint review of... Midnight Run. Yep. I was going to drop the director's name there. Oh, Robert Richard Brest. Yes, aye. Is it Richard Brest? Might not be Richard. Gary? I reckon. Uh, uh, the notes are saved. But, yeah. yes. So, Robert Nero, that cunt for Beethoven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can at FAS Podcasts. Uh, that works for Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, other than that, uh, any last words, Mike? Um, buy us the inner space steelbook. Aye. Maybe not from Amazon. I know we like yeah, to promote that, but that's yeah, sixty nine yeah. pounds, and it's twelve quid on CEX. Yeah. But I am not going to publish this episode until we've bought our copies, because <laughs> then all cunt steals it. Yeah. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, fuck off and tune in next week. <laughs>